get out them ones. The dollars. Yeah. If you see it in real life, you're probably in a situation where it is encouraged for you to donate to the cause. What cause? The cause of that stripper's uh, financial situation. It's not only strippers that are booty clapping, though. I know, but if you, if Keith Silverman is going to see booty clapping in real life, it's probably at a strip club. What if I'm at, like, uh, Cabo for vacation? And or, and where where does the booty clapping come in in Cabo? Oh, for all the parties I like to go to, you know? There's going to be women just in no pants, nothing, or, like, thongs, just booty clapping for the fun of it? Yeah, because they're at the beach. I don't think that's where it, booty clapping happens. It happens at the beach. I don't think they like getting they like getting sand in their butt crack. Maybe accidental makes, booty clapping because they're running in their thong underpants, but no, not no, intentional booty clapping. No, they like booty clapping at the beach because the sand gets in their butthole, and then when they booty clap, it's like fireworks of sand going off. Oh, I didn't realize. There. I thought we were trying to have a serious conversation about booty clapping, so my apologies. Oh, I mean, I am still. <laughs> um, this is how I envision it. No, Keith, if you get too much sand in there, it's going to dampen the clap, and that ruins the whole point of the booty clap is to make a clap sound. They're not going to do it on sand. It is not optimal uh, acoustic situation to have sand all up in your booty while you're trying to clap. You got me there. Yeah, you got me there. What if it's like uh, rock climbing powder? I don't. And you put would, some of that. That, that would make like booty dust, but I don't know if it right. would. Uh, I don't know if it would have much of an effect on the clap. I don't think it should have an effect on a clap, but it just visually is just crazy. Yeah, it would be fun to watch. Or cocaine. More likely, and also fun to watch, but more expensive probably. I don't know. I don't know how expensive cocaine is actually. Welcome to Chatisfaction. This is the booty clapping expert show that you can come to know and love. Brap, brap. And my name's Sam. Um, and I think we're done talking about booty clapping. So I Apparently we are. Um, Sam, how are you this week? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, sort of settling into normal life. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of tired. We, if you were with us last week... Um, we talked about that video game arc. Uh, mm-hmm. it's really easy to play real late into the night, but I have a job that starts at nine in the morning. And so I play arc too late and then I wake up and go to work and work's been pretty stressful lately. Um, so it's just been long days, but then I unwind by playing a game I'm addicted to. I think I can relate to that. Yeah. I've been playing lots of Neo and staying up too late. Yeah. And also going to work too early. Yeah, it sucks because you're a cook, and I feel like one of the benefits of working in a restaurant usually is that you don't have to work early, but you don't get that, and it's you, and it stinks. Well, yeah, I'm not. A, I am a cook, but I'm also the, the kitchen manager, so they don't get that benefit. Manager. Um. Yeah. Uh, how was your Fourth of July? Dustin and I literally played Ark all day long. That sounds great. It was super you, great. I was exactly. You both what, had the day off. Exactly. Or what I you had the do. day off. Yeah, I had the day off. Um, yeah. I uh, I did work Monday, which stunk. A lot of people I knew got Monday and Tuesday off, so I got a four day weekend. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that bad. 
but uh yeah this uh we just played arc all day and it was a blast we played with our friend tim who i believe is a listener hey tim i hope hope you're playing some arc right now you're probably at work or something but he's uh he's he's hooked pretty hard into it i think yeah Um, and his girlfriend's out of town for the week so he's uh all about it so he does enjoy it yeah yeah he's uh he's liking it a lot he's he gets frustrated at the glitchiness as everyone does at plays. Mm-hmm. But I think That's, he's having a lot of fun. Cool. I'm glad you got a little community going. Like I said, I will get back into it one day just to meet up with you guys and see what you've been up to. Yeah, I know um, uh, our friend Jimmy actually is going to come live with us for a little while. Um, and uh, when he this weekend when he moves in, we're going to go to Micro Center and build him a kick-ass PC. And then he's going to play with us. His computer's gonna be so nice. I bet he's, uh, yeah. I because basically he's. I'm just gonna tell him this is this would be a really amazing computer, and we can work down from here. And he's just gonna say, mm-hmm. "Let's do that," uh, and it's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm gonna be wicked jealous. But Jimmy, he's a a fine young man. He is. I'm excited to play Ark with him. Sometimes he can be a real piece of shit, though. He's like the worst person I've ever met most of the time. He's got an epic beard. Yeah. I wish I could grow an epic beard like that. I, I mostly just grow awful stubble. I, I like Jimmy's beard a lot, but it's not my personal taste in beard. Yeah, I don't think I would grow it as long as he does, but I wish I just had the ability to, yeah. just to know that I could. I, I'm not a huge fan of pointy beards, like long pointy beards. I like big beards. Um, I like more Mountain Man, uh, not like uh, what's that band where everybody has beards? <laughs> That's not narrowing it down Z- at all. ZZ Top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, not that long. Burly beards is yeah. what I think you and I both like. Yeah, I like burly mountain man beards. Yeah. As well, a man who often rocks a beard yourself, what are your trials and tribulations having that thing? So one thing I hate about having a beard uh, is once it gets to a certain length, mm-hmm. uh, people stop. People just talk about your beard all the time. Um, mm. And some people are all about their beards, and that's what they want. And that's not for me. I I like having a beard. I like letting my hair and beard grow long enough that when I cut them, it's like a dramatic look. I think it's more fun to sort of alter the way I look versus like trying to maintain one way. Um, But so my beard gets pretty long. uh, And then it's like strangers, like sick beard, man. And it's like, no, I'm not. I don't have a long beard because I'm a hipster. I just have a long beard. Um, And it's it that gets under my skin. I know it shouldn't because just people being nice. And so it doesn't actually get, I don't get mad or anything like that, but I do notice I hit a point sometimes where people start seeing my, they see the beard first and they see Sam second. And I don't like that. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, uh, another thing when it gets too long and this is more the mustache than the beard, but, uh, mm-hmm. eating certain foods becomes a stressful, stressful process. Um, yeah. And people will say like, Hey, we're going to get wings. And I'll say no, because <laughs> eating wings like makes me feel bad because I just am getting wing sauce in my mustache or I'm trying frantically not to and failing. Um, the worst, absolute worst food to eat. I think when you have substantial facial hair are s'mores. Mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I like. I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. Like melted marshmallow and facial hair is a real horrible nightmare. <sighs> yeah, I guess that is the one thing I never have to worry about. Really, that's true. No, and I like having a beard. I have, uh, as you know, since you've known me for a long time, I have a very significant baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first time I actually grew a beard successfully, I, it was like, uh, oh, holy shit, like, this is way better. And I think I think everyone would agree that Sam with a beard is better than Sam without. I don't know. I haven't seen you without a beard in a while. I think beard, beard Sam is my final form final form i will grow i've always wanted uh if tess and i ever uh have a kid i want to get the second i find out she's pregnant i'm going to shave off my beard and grow a pregnancy mustache um <laughs> so that i have a nine month old mustache when my kid is born because um, i'm i'm of the opinion that the only people that are allowed to have mustaches are police officers and de- and fathers um, okay uh and so i'm uh I think it'll be fun. Why just police officers and fathers? Because that's just how I feel. Mm. No particular reason, though? No. I, though, I mean, when I think about people that have mustaches that don't look weird with mustaches, it's police officers and fathers. And I mean just a mustache. Like, you've been doing the mustache uh, like soul patch situation, and that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But most people like our age that have mustaches that aren't police officers or fathers... They look like they're police officers or fathers, but they're not. And so it makes them look like hipsters or creeps. Um, and that's the thing. Yeah. Plenty of people who aren't fathers and police officers wear mustaches, and those people are hipsters and creeps. Yeah. And this is a a, a, a generalization that I'll stand by forever, and there's no exceptions. Okay. Yeah. I could... I like getting behind broad generalizations. Yeah. Like then I, I don't have to think when people ask me questions. I just say, I agree with what I already said. Cause I, why would I have been wrong then? I love the way you live. Thanks. It has to be pretty great. It's freeing. Yeah. I took one MySpace quiz when I was 15 and that's answered all the questions I've ever needed to know. <laughs> Um, I'm sad that I don't remember the password of my MySpace because every <laughs> once in a while I want to check in to see what it's like. I can't believe that the website's still around. I I honestly thought it was like just gone forever. But who uses it anymore? What is it even used for? I wonder. Hipsters, I bet it's hipsters. Yeah, that's why I wanted to like log in and see what's up. There's also a lot of pictures on MySpace that I have that I'd like to have access to, but... I don't remember my password. I'll try to find my password and then I'll find you and I'll get all your pictures. Oh, that would be so dope. Um, I saw Spider-Man tonight. I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. Spoiler alert. But I'm going to see it this weekend. It's good. Uh, spoilers. Now I know it's good. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll see it this weekend. Maybe we can do a little boner episode about it. I would love to do a boner episode. Um, I got a lot, I got opinions on that. Uh, Want to express? Uh, hopefully, and I'll have not, I'll have some of those too. They're not valid unless they're on the internet. That's true. Speaking of the so, internet, uh, we had an announcement today about a video game that I think we're both excited. Uh, pardon me about. 
That was oh, super was gross. I burped right into the mic. I'm sorry to our listeners. I just did it. Don't apologize. This is our show. You don't want a show with burps on it? Not Make your really. Own show. Fuck you. Make me? No, the internet. The internet. No, it's. I don't. Like, if I've got headphones in, I'm working away. I don't want someone to burp in my ear. Well, deal with it. It's our show. Right, and but it's it was my burp, and that's and uh, for my piece of the show and my burp, I'm saying I'm sorry. Just don't don't apologize for anything. No, Keith, you can't say it's our show. We have the freedom to do what we want, and then criticize me for doing <laughs> what I want, which is apologizing for the burp. <laughs> Just stand by it. You did it. Stand no, by I'm it. standing by my apology. That's how I felt immediately. <laughs> okay. Um. So, Doomfist is what you're talking about? Yes. New Overwatch character, one that has been, uh, people have been wanting since before the game even released. Yeah, Doomfist. He looks dope. He does. He looks cool. He looks like he plays like nobody else, uh, and I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. He doesn't sound like Terry Crews. No, he's not Terry Crews, uh, which is a bummer, but I would be really surprised if they didn't introduce Terry Crews in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, he seems like he is excited to do something with overwatch. But I, I also respect blizzard for like, even though the fans were so hard up for Terry Crews, they wanted to make, uh, this Nigerian villain character. And instead of buckling and just using, uh, this American actor, well, I mean, I actually think the voice actor is American, but I'm pretty sure he's, uh, of, of Nigeria. Let's see. Let's look up just to make sure I don't say stupid mm-hmm. stuff. Whoa, God, that's Google all, that's all we do on the so show. Good. All I wrote is Doomfist, and it said Doomfist voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all we do on the show is say stupid stuff. Yeah, but I just want to make sure it's true stupid stuff. Okay, sorry, just one moment. Yeah, no problem. Yes, he is from Nigeria. He has a name I can't pronounce. Uh, it's Sar, S-A-H-R. And then his last name is N G A U J A H, Nagawa, Magwagwa. Don't know. Got it. But it. he's so like Overwatch. One of the huge themes of Overwatch is uh, that it has this broad, diverse cast. And uh, you know, I think the idea is that the longer this game goes on, anybody should find someone that they can relate to in some form. Not the mm-hmm. saying that like a bunch of Nigerians are waiting to uh, relate to a character, but just I like that they decided they wanted to make someone from Nigeria, and they instead of buckling to this Terry Crews pressure, even even like Terry Crews is black, like they had that connection, but they went with a Nigerian actor to voice a Nigerian character. Yeah. I respect that because um, I think yeah. for the most part that is what they do. I think all of the actors, the voice actors, are of the ethnic. Uh, origin of their characters which i think is pretty cool yeah i think most of them are um and they all seem to enjoy working on that particular project yeah like all the all the videos they make like where they're just doing their characters or where they're doing like trying to do the dances and stuff yeah it's super fun it looks like they're a real tight-knit group of uh cast of characters i I feel like the driving force is lucio's voice actor he's always like at the center of (laughs) of all the things they do yeah um yeah overwatch is a fucking awesome game and uh i'm excited to play as doomfist i am too and i tess and i have been kind of out of overwatch for a few weeks because of the wedding and then we got arc up and running like right after the wedding 
Um, and we both have played Overwatch a whole lot over the last year. So Doomfist mm-hmm. is definitely going to give me reason to hop back in for a while. Um, yeah. New characters in general, and this one looks like he's going to be a lot of fun to play. And I haven't played the new map either, so there should be a, a decent little bit of stuff to do. Did you know that there was a monkey uprising in the lore? Um, Only there was like a, on the lunar base, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I did know about that. I didn't. I didn't know about this. I well, that, it's Winston pretty new. Was the only monkey in the game. That info oh. is pretty new. Um, yeah. That the deal is that Winston was one of a handful of gorillas um, and other creatures on this lunar base that they were experimenting on making smart. Um, mm-hmm. And so when the lunar base came out, they like had these like released emails of basically yeah, this uprising. And uh, there's talk. There were two specimens were missing winston and uh, a smaller creature named hammond and so mm. there's some there's some dangling lore out there for hammond no one knows quite what he is if he's a smaller monkey or what but it sounds like uh he might be another bad guy which i'm really excited about doomfist one of the things i'm most excited about is that he's a straight-up villain and there aren't enough straight-up bad guys in the game there's some morally gray people but it's like uh, Widowmaker and Reaper are the only straight up villains until now. Doom yeah. Fist. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Hammond. What kind of. Yeah, I want to see some more like weird animal creatures in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping. And some people are thinking it's like a smaller ape or something, and I think that would be lame. I hope it's a whole different animal. Yeah, that would be dope if it was another animal. Have they explained Widowmaker's blue skin, or is that just. They have explained it. Um, I think she like died or something, and they brought her back like to life um, yeah. or something like that. I'm finding out right quick mm-hmm. for you because everyone, every all humans in the game are normal. So she Widowmaker, this weird blue skin. This is just off the top of my head. Widowmaker is a perfect assassin, a patient ruthlessly efficient killer who shows neither emotion nor remorse. It is mm-hmm. believed that in her former life, Widowmaker was married to Gerard LaCroix, an Overwatch agent spearheading operations against the Talon terrorist organization. After several unsuccessful attempts to eliminate Gerard, Talon decided to change his focus to his wife, Amelie. Talon operatives kidnapped her and subjected her to an intense program of neural reconditioning. They broke her will, suppressed her personality, and reprogrammed her as a sleeper agent. She was eventually found by Overwatch agents, apparently none the worse for wear, and returned to her normal life. Two weeks later, she killed Gerard in his sleep. This is a tragic story. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> her mission comes. Ready for this? <laughs> yeah. This is off the top of your head. No, no. This is. In, I'm. You reading should this. write stories. <laughs> um, her mission complete. Amelie returned to Talon, and they completed the process of turning her into a living weapon. She was given extensive training. Uh, in the covert arts, and then her physiology was altered, drastically slowing her heart, which turned her skin cold and blue and numbed her ability to experience human emotion. Amelie was gone. Now Widowmaker is Talon's most effective assassin, feeling little save... Feeling little save the satisfaction of a job well done. Widowmaker has a bummer backstory. I never (laughs) knew that. That's incredible. Yeah, me neither. I always just hated her, but now I'm going to feel for her while I hate her. I can't believe you just made that up off the top of your head. I know, right? Do you want me to make it's up incredible. an origin story for any of the other characters? Um, no. Yeah, I, I think that's I enough creative energy for tonight. I agree. Um, you should write that down, though. Wait, are you kidding? 
Am I kidding? I just I just read that off the Overwatch website. I know, I know that you did. Well, you keep going on about the, how I said it off the top of my head, and I was worried you didn't get my bad I joke. Know. I got it. I was adding to it. At least when Widowmaker, when they took Amelie uh, f- out of her, they left her her sweet butt. Yeah, exactly. She does have the sweetest uh, booty clapping butt there is. I don't know if it could clap. I think it could. Might not have the mass. Uh, It does. It's the biggest butt in the game. Yeah, but it's still like, it's a tight butt. I don't know if it's got the clapping. It's not a tight butt. I'd say Tracer's is a tight butt. Uh, Yeah, she could probably clap. Widowmaker could definitely clap. She's definitely clapping all that sand into the atmosphere. Moving on. Um. Okay, so this week what I wanted to kind of dive into is I wanted to talk about artificial intelligence and automation since that seems to be the way that we're going with our society and technology in general. Um, Can I hijack the conversation for a bit first? Sure. I have a personal update um, that's relevant to an older episode we did, actually. Um, On Sunday... Um, my uncle died. Oh, and uncle, uh, uncle Ed, he's my mm-hmm. mom's sister's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a huge bummer, and I'm kind of bummed about it. But I, how old was he? Um, I actually don't know. He was he's an older guy, uh, for sure. Yeah. So my mom's oldest sister. Um, I he had to be in his seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he was just sitting on their deck. And uh, my aunt Carol walked outside, and he was dead. He, they are assuming he had a heart attack or something. Um, I haven't yeah. heard much more about it, but it was just sudden and super unexpected, and uh, it sucks. But it's also like it, he was a really uh, like my brother put it really well. I think like he was just sort of a man, like. But in the in the best in the most real way, like he wasn't a man because he was badass and tough. Like he just kind of he did what he was supposed to do, and he was good at doing stuff. But he just kind of did it, and it, there was like no fuss about it. Um, mm. But he was funny, and he was loving, and he was caring, and he. But like he's he was so relaxed that he's something I've been taking comfort in is like uh, if you if if we could talk to him right now he'd be like totally cool with it you know mm-hmm. uh and that's like a like it's true like he would he'd be like ed like you died man he'd be like oh well i guess that's what it is <laughs> like that's just kind of how he'd be um yeah. and it helps make me feel better to know like because i knew the man he was um and so I knew the man he was in life and I know that he wouldn't want anybody to be sad about this. Um, and honestly, like he was a mountain man. Like we were talking about beards earlier. He has one of the best beards. It was just a perfectly maintained, like he just had a beard. It was a part of his face. It didn't grow. It didn't get shorter. It just was perfect. Um, and, uh, yeah, like he died sitting on his back porch, uh, in the mountains. They live in the mountains. Like it kind of, it was the right, the right way. I feel like, yeah. Did I meet him? Um, I'm sure you have. I mean, he was at my wedding. He's he's my like he's lived out here forever, but um he was at the barbecue before the wedding, which actually so that's something my dad told me um which it makes a lot of sense like he and my aunt Carol, I guess, you know, both sort of expressed 
uh, what a great time they had at the wedding and mm. just getting to hang out with everybody. And it's just really fortunate that, that we had the wedding uh, two weeks before he died. And so we all got to see him and talk to him and hang out with him. Like he got to be around everyone in the family, like extended family, a ton of people, like everybody on this side was around and yeah, we all got to hang out with him and spend time with him like right before he died. And it's just such a lucky, lucky timing thing. Um, too often. I think when someone dies they're like, that's your first thought is sort of like, Oh, I hadn't talked to them in forever. Oh, I hadn't seen them and like just stuff like that. And this, so it was, it was nice that we got to do that. Yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah. That is really good timing. Still is, uh, when it happens just suddenly like that, it's weird. Yeah. So many random things could kill you and we worry about the littlest piddliest shit. Yeah. It's, uh, it definitely, you know, it stresses me out. It doesn't help my, I on our episode, we talked about death. I think I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of terrified of it. Uh, mm. and it's just like, you know, I think about that. Like, did he think like when his heart started hurting, like, did he think, Oh, I'm dying. Or did he think, what is this weird feeling? Like, but you know, subconsciously he thinks it's it's this weird feeling that's about to go away, you know. And then it just happens, and then he's dead. Like that's gotta. I don't know. You wonder. You have to wonder in those last moments. Is it terrifying? Is it? Does it so quick that you don't know? Like or what? Um, and he was just like in his chair, slumped over. So you hope whatever it was was super fast, and he just was dead. Um, hope he didn't sit there in pain for five minutes before he died. Um, I'm sure, but I'm sure it was just confusing. Yeah. And that's the, you know, it's, that's one of those things that you'll never know what it's like until you do it because nobody tells, gets to tell you about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It's just a little personal thing that I thought I'd bring up because it's, uh, it is, it's a big deal. Ed, when I graduated high school, I moved out to Colorado for the summer uh, and I lived Mm -hmm. with Carol and Ed for the summer. Um, and I worked at Ed's company, he ran an air conditioning, like a HVAC company. Um, and we went around servicing, uh, swamp coolers and building like AC stuff in all these rich people's houses. Um, Oh really? Yeah. My, I, don't think I knew that. Yeah. That's, that's what I did that summer. Um, my leisure suit, my tan leisure mm-hmm. suit, uh, is uncle Ed's. I found it in his garage when I lived there, I was cleaning out the garage and he let me keep it. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I have a fairly decent relationship with them or I had a fairly decent relationship with them. Um, I feel like I always had kind of a special bond with them because of that. And I just always felt like we clicked really well. Um, but, uh, one thing that's, I I talked to my brother about this as well. Um, this feels like the most adult, uh, clean sadness I think I've ever felt. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I am sad. Um, I spent, you know, I've, I've definitely cried about this some, I wasn't sure if I would talking about it right now. I think, I think Mm -hmm. I'm in the clear, not that I would have any problem crying on, on air. Um, but, uh, I'm sad. I'm genuinely sad and I'm genuinely mourning him. Um, but it's like at the same time, it, it feels okay. Uh, like it feels okay that he died and I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm older or because of the particular circumstances. Like he didn't have, uh, you know, any remotely young kids. He's not like leaving, but he didn't have like this reliance of, uh, his 
uh, you know, like his, his Carol, his wife isn't like relying on him like night and day or anything like that. Like it's not, he's leaving behind a huge void, but it's not the same as like, as other deaths that, that I've mm. experienced in my life. Um, and I don't want that to sound like there's any less value to him or, or his death. Like it still is, it's a big deal and it sucks, but it's like, it's also kind of all right. Um, and that's weird. I've never felt that way. Uh, with anything really sad, like not even death. I'm it's so it's, it's been an interesting week for sure. Um, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't talked to my aunt yet, but supposedly she's, uh, in pretty high spirits. And just in case anybody's listening to this, that knew Ed and didn't know this, I'm sorry for breaking the news to you, but also, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the news is like super public. I don't, maybe I shouldn't have talked about it, but keep it, keep it under wraps for the most part. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being weird. Um, it's not a secret. Um, it's not a secret. Just, uh, sorry if I just broke the news to you, but I don't know if we have anybody <laughs> that listens that knows my uncle Ed. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was thinking about, uh, death earlier this week. Um, in relation to really the only thing that happens is, you just lose it's just a loss of consciousness and because everything that goes into the makeup of your body like all the elements and the atoms uh or particularly the atoms that make up the molecules and stuff like that stuff atoms cannot be destroyed or at least we haven't found out figured out a way to do it yet and all they do is uh come apart and they go into other things and uh one thing that they've studied is that it takes about 50 years for the atoms that made up your body to make it into another human being. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool and a kind of a different way to think about death is that, you know, you're lucky that the things that these things in the universe had come together and like millions, not even millions. It's a lot. It's like billions of atoms that are, that make you up. It's a whole entire universe inside of you that makes each individual person. And so you'd never really go away. Like you definitely on surface level, what we perceive is you've, you've died and your body will decompose and stuff, but it, it goes into something else. It is part of a cycle. Still you will, because you exist now, you will always be a part of the life cycle that happens in our universe. And I, th- I thought that was pretty cool and it was a really calming way to think about life and death for me. And so that was kind of a, a non depressing thought about death I was having earlier this week. So I like your timing. I like that thought. Um, I, there's something beautiful about it, but there's also like the, the thing that it, the way it doesn't work for me is also like the thing I miss and the thing I like love. Isn't that I don't love that person's atoms. I love their consciousness. Sure. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm I not think, trying to like, so- I don't think it's like soothing in your situation. No. Just- and I don't think that's what you're trying to do. I, I do like that thought. Um, and I, I just an extension of it. Actually. I like the idea that in the same sense that you don't ever really go away. Um, you never really are. are you, mm-hmm. you're just the, all the other atoms, you know, uh, that came from other people. And then those all came mm-hmm. from other, or, or other things, not even people. Like I'm not just made of people atoms. I'm made of everything atoms. And that's exactly, um, you gave a wonderful speech at our wedding about that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I, and I agree with it and I like it. Yeah. It was a little less cohesive than the one I just gave right now. I liked it. I liked the, the fact that it wasn't cohesive or that it was less uh, cohesive. <laughs> it made sense to me. 
yeah uh i think i got the point across yeah um yeah but anywho that, i just i just want to say uh to all our listeners that uh my is a great man and uh mm-hmm. and now he's gone and it stinks but it's it's just it is 100% a part of life and so i miss him and i love him and i just want to i just wanted to mention it I'm sure I've met him a few times and I'm sure that he was very nice to me and kind as most your family is. Um, so uncle Ed, I, I miss you too. Cause I just like the cooksies and your whole family. So, well, he's a, he's technically on the Kennedy side. I said the cooksies and your whole family. That's true. I know he's, he wasn't a Kennedy either. So I, I was wrong either way. <laughs> All right. I'm so sure least, that, sorry. Go ahead. I would yeah. say, let's talk about artificial intelligence. Um, let's do, uh, this is a topic that's given me some anxiety in the past. Uh, when I see the robots that are being worked on at Boston dynamics and MIT and stuff, uh, it is scary. Like, do you remember big dog at all? Oh yeah. I love that thing. See, you love it. I think terrifies me. Uh, and just seeing how it's evolved over the years and, and the other sort of robotics that they're building as well. Um, that just the way they move is really creepy. What really gets my fucking uh, anxiety going is when they do fucked up things, like try to kick it over and stuff and watching it readjust and be fine. Um, those are, it's just weird. And it's just because I've been conditioned through watching movies and playing games that like this stuff will always turn on us and be used to like <laughs> fuck us up. Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, even the, the fact that you call, uh, kicking a robot a fucked up thing to do is like i think is funny it's a fucked up thing to watch because watching it like self-correct like watching any ai or robot do anything that's like self-calculating and not a move that's been programmed at all uh it's weird to watch it's super fucking weird to watch um but that's the thing it has been programmed it's just been programmed so well that it does that like it's just it's still just taking in a ton of input and Mm -hmm. then outputting as it's been programmed to do um and that's what it does i mean that's part of the whole big dogs thing is this like quadruped balance like it's it can walk it can run it can balance itself and so it's been trained or it has been programmed to keep itself upright when forces act on it yeah um but being able to compute that quickly, uh, it scares me a little bit. And the fact that the fact is, is that I think that I honestly think that robots and, uh, like AI and automation is long-term, like the next step in human evolution. I think that when we learn how to replicate consciousness and we're trying to build these robots in our image, like we'll be their creators and that'll be the next step of humanity. Like that's what will bring, whatever history that we have throughout the universe and that potentially one day and there's no reason for me to think this this is just like my personal baggage Mm -hmm. uh i'm not basing this off of any scientific fact or anything i'm just rambling um and that one day the the robots will like find a way to create organically more humans potentially and like i don't know i don't know what that cycle looks like that's just a random thought i had this week earlier this week too um 
but that that is kind of scary because anytime even at like turn of the century stuff when you know the, like the cowboy or the samurai were dying out and they were getting outdated there's always that very human feeling of like you're old and useless now you don't belong in this world and this is these are the things that will replace you from now on and i think that on on the scale of humanity as a whole like robotics and ai fill me with that exact anxiety i don't know if i explained that well enough but i think you did um and i like i just have to say the complete opposite i i don't Mm -hmm. feel that way at all i'm extremely excited by every advancement in ai and robotics i see um Mm -hmm. and i i just i mean there are just tools and as they get more advanced they will replace menial jobs Mm. um and you know there will be some adjustment necessary but society will move on for the better like yeah you know it's do you think it's a bad thing that we can mass produce nails now that uh blacksmiths aren't the only way we get nails no not at all like that's Um, that every everything that is done easily now used to be done the hard way um and i think every time there was some huge advancement there was uh blowback against it from the people that didn't want to lose their jobs and we're okay and i think that even those people were okay like for the most part um and i don't know because as soon as you start saying like you know what's bad for a few but good for the rest is okay like then there's a there's a lot of other issues that come into play in that conversation um but i think i think that i think technology technology inherently is good it can be used for bad but i think ai and robotics are uh they're exciting to me quite exciting yeah um one of the things that uh stresses me out about technology too is it's so easily hackable by people who are just either straight up nefarious or just are bored like they just are some shitty teenager they're bored and they want to do something shitty um there's some anxiety with that especially with self-driving cars um there a lot has to be invested into security for these things to make sure no one's like fucking with the programming and stuff right um in particular with self-driving cars and some automation when it comes to food service, when that stuff comes to fruition, that's going to put a ton of people out of job. I th- out of a job. I think the last time I read a, st- a statistic, it was something like 60% of American males have some sort of job where they drive a truck or car or something like that. Um, and I don't know how long it would be before these things would be, kind of normal like on the road to have to see just like driverless cars out there right and trucks and stuff but that is going to put a lot of people out of work um and that kind of scares me because it's it's like what are those people going to do what are we going to do about that as as a society and one of the things that people have been kicking around is uh universal basic income I don't know how they're going to pull money for this to make it really sustainable, but it's the idea is that like every person uh, basically just gets like $600 a month from the government. Uh, It's just for basic living needs. 
Um, and then they have to find a new job or you're going to have to have like a really marketable skill. I think if this stuff does come to, to light you, like you'll be fine because you have a computer job. It's a smart, which I, I feel like is the smartest thing to invest in, at least on a basic skill level is to be able to work with computers in some way. Um, being able to program or code or any of that stuff. I think you're set for a good long while, but people, but people who do really basic jobs like truck drivers and, a lot of just like but the thing is you've seen go ahead no you go ahead sorry well the thing is is like also with uh like fast food employees calling for like 15 dollars an hour they're just going to start getting kiosks in and be like well nope we're not going to do that we're just going to get these people can self-order and then we just need some people to cook whatever the orders are but even then it's like the cooking isn't that intense it's just dropping stuff into a fryer so even that could be automated at a certain point yeah um it could be but it it, like this the the robotic takeover of menial jobs is not an overnight thing like it's a very slow process um and so just talking about you know truck drivers being replaced um it's not like science is going to announce like robotic cars are here as of Wednesday, no more truck drivers. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, a like company by company, they're going to start experimenting with it and having a few and then having a few more and then slowly expanding um, because they're going to be really expensive and they're going to be experimental and it's going to take time for it to be worth it for the companies to actually replace their drivers with these driverless vehicles. Because mm-hmm. then instead of paying truck drivers, less than they should uh they have to buy these insanely expensive vehicles and then they have to pay people to maintain them and those people are going to cost a lot more money than the truck drivers they won't have to pay as many of them but the people Mm -hmm. themselves are going to be expensive and so it's not like it's not like driverless cars are free for the company there's still a huge trade-off and until the technology is really there and commonplace enough to be affordable uh it's not taking anything from anybody and it's and even once it starts doing it, it's going to be a very slow process. And so you're going to hear about, you know, slowly companies swapping out uh, part of their workforce and bit by bit. And so you're not going to have one day all of a sudden every truck driver is out of work. You're going to sure, have yeah. bit by bit the industry of truck driving is going to get smaller and smaller mm-hmm. until eventually it's all but gone. Like there will always be some degree of it because there's going to be a lot of companies that never can afford driverless trucks or they just prefer not to do it. And it's going to be the same thing with food service. Like those kiosks work for generic, really like huge companies that produce really generic food. Um, Mm -hmm. but even then people still have to make the food. Um, but then, yeah, like even as if they're able to replace, you know, at, uh, at, at lower end restaurants, they're able to replace the cooks. Like that's still cooks don't cost that much. Um, and you have to like a machine that that drops that that cooks the food like it's going to be really expensive. I, when I was a server, people always used to like they'd be like, "God, I, I wish they would." I'm going to invent a uh, a silverware rolling machine. I hate rolling silverware. I feel like I had this conversation at multiple different restaurants, and it mm-hmm. was like, "You understand that we're like slaves, right? Like, why on earth?" would any company buy a super expensive silver rolling machine when they have like, we are literally standing around doing nothing 
if we're not rolling silverware? Like, why would that ever make sense? And that's the thing. Like, yeah. you've worked at a restaurant for a very long time. You understand how penny-pinching most restaurants are. Um, mm-hmm. To spend the money on automation like that, like, that shit is, it's going to be expensive for a long time. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, I don't, I just, I, if, if in, a, if far distant into the future, all menial labor jobs are taken by robots. I think that is realistic, but I think it's going to be a long, slow process that as a society will be able to adapt to reasonably well, because it's going to be slow enough that the people who are displaced piece by piece are going to be able to find different work. It's not going to mm-hmm. be overnight. Yeah. And that's why I'm not worried about that. And that's like, my job isn't like, I'm not a very good software engineer. I'm, if and the market's getting flooded and stuff like i'm i hope i get to keep doing what i'm doing and i'm trying to keep learning so that i can but it's not i don't think i'm particularly safe um mm. but i yeah, i get what you mean too like the, the i'm in the right area um but you know i know plenty of people that work jobs that that could be roboted out someday but it just doesn't worry me because i don't i don't think it will be for a very long time um as much as robots are cool people appreciate humanity and especially with like cooking people go to a restaurant because they want someone who's better at cooking than them to make their food generally they don't want to go have a machine do it because then they would just go to a like you know a vending machine or something like they they want they want the humanity and the quality and the food they eat um and in most things, like the jobs where robots have been successful in taking over is like car manufacturing. And that's, I don't, I don't think people care about, uh, human hands putting their doors on. I don't think that's, yeah. that's not a part of going and buying a new car is the humanity of it. You're buying a machine. And so having a machine make your machine, uh, is good. And, you know, I think there was a lot of blowback in the auto industry as they embraced robotics, but you know, I still think we're probably better for it. Yeah. Um, that was a long, was that reading, was a long ramble. Apologies. Yeah. That was good though. Um, one of the things I was reading is that, uh, the way that the automation is for cars now, it like, we could, we could definitely have self-driving cars on the road right now operating. If every car was a self-driving car, the thing right. that they have not been able to nail yet is the cars being able to account for like the human factor so they're having trouble with the cars operating properly with other human drivers on the road right but if it's just other automated cars it works perfectly um but also with the way that our technology and the way our society is advancing it's it's going really rapidly like it really was not that long ago where we didn't have iphones um and it just it just keeps getting better and better, quicker and quicker. Keith, yeah, you can't say iPhone. You have to say smartphone. You sound like I'm a mom. Okay, smartphones, whatever. That's you just you just called every video game console a Nintendo. Okay, yeah, I can see your point there. Um, what do you think? So, what do you think this looks like a couple of years down the road when when it does? When it when robotics and automation does take over all of the menial jobs that should be automated, what do you think it looks like humanity looks like? Do you think we're all 
just have all this free time now or do you think we just get obsessed with make overworking people doing something else um i think i, I think closer to the latter um yeah i think that like this automation doesn't come with uh it's it it's all it's not free it all costs a little money and so the companies that replace their workers with robots are gonna expect to make money so that they can pay for their robots and so like i think the economy is essentially going to stay the same people are just going to have to get more creative with the work they find um and i i don't think it's a bad thing that's the thing there are a lot of skilled jobs out there desperate for people to work them um and people like they they don't want to um and so like it's easy to get stuck in a restaurant and have it be manageable enough you know to be livable mm. um or to be stuck in menial jobs and that's the thing i i think truck driving is like i don't know if it's considered a skill there is a it is a particular skill set i think necessary to do it um, mm. but I don't know if it, it would be considered skilled labor, but like electricians, plumbers, welders, uh, like those are all crafts that nobody wants to do because there's been this stigma for the last two or three decades or more that it's shit work. Like that dumb people do that. Smart people go to college. Um, and I, I, we went to the same high school. I know a lot of not smart people that went to college. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of smart people that didn't. Uh, and that's like, I think we're slowly kind of making the turnaround that college isn't the answer for everyone. And so I hope that I basically what I hope and what I anticipate is that as this stigma, I, I hope that this stigma for skilled labor goes away. Um, and the, the skilled jobs out there that aren't like 10 years of college skilled jobs, but stuff like being an electrician or being a plumber, like they're super necessary jobs that are, they're not for a very long time replaceable. Um, there, we will need plumbers for, you know, for conceivably forever. Um, you know, until Mm -hmm. something huge and crazy changes, same with electricians, same with welders. Like they're all, there are jobs that can be enhanced with technology, but I, they still need a person in the driver's seat. Um, and so I, I hope that what we see is just fewer menial, there will be fewer menial jobs. And I hope that means that there's fewer unskilled workers. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, scares me about AI, do you believe at all in like a singularity style event where, AI could get so advanced that it just can think and and be indistinguishable from a human. And if so, I think that if that would be to happen, uh, the rate at which they would learn things, because they would just... I just think of, like... Uh, remember in, like, The Fifth Element where she starts downloading whatever history of humanity and just rapidly scrolls through everything alphabetically? Right. That's how I envision a computer just, like, so rapidly absorbing all information from the internet just in an instant. That's the thing. being able to... Like, that's even, like, it doesn't need to do that. It just it's just has that information. It doesn't need to absorb it. Yeah. Like, if it's connected, it just has it. Um, yeah. 
So do I believe in that as a possibility or an inevitability or what is your, what exactly do you mean? Either or. Um, I do think like just logically thinking it's a possibility. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the more we, the farther we go with machine learning, the more it resembles a brain and the mm-hmm. more it actually does learn. And it's very infantile right now, but it's, we're making progress. And so I think logically, if we continue to make progress, eventually we could make an AI as capable of learning as the human brain. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's anywhere on the horizon though. Yeah. I think the things when I was actually read into it, the things that, uh, the type of AI is highly specified. They're usually made to do one specific task. Right. Um, and any of the robots that look super dangerous, uh, just by my anxiety standards, uh, take an incredible amount of power to operate. So they, you, if, if there was going to run without being connected to anything, it would only run for like a few minutes. Um, usually has to be connected like uh and like analog to something some sort of power source right and they're literally Uh, programmed to run like that and that's it they don't that's all they do is run so it's not like they could do anything dangerous except for run into something yeah a singularity style event though like when an, an ai starts thinking for itself i that it does scare me because I think immediately it would it would just decide that humanity is bad for all life because we are not only are we destructive towards other things, not to say that we don't have any positives, uh, that we don't do anything positive, but I think we are destructive towards other things and mostly we are incredibly self-destructive. I mean, I do not have the best diet and I know it. And that's the thing is like we know we do self-destructive things and we still do them. Yeah. But what makes you think that when an AI gets to a point of sentience, it's going to decide like why, what, why is this AI going to have a moral obligation to cancel humanity? Like even if it comes to that, that decision of humanity is bad for itself or for everything, why would it then take the next leap to I must destroy it? Like that's, I think one of the huge leaps like fictionally that always happens is that uh, like these AIs decide, make the decision that since humanity is doing this bad stuff, they should be eliminated. Um, Whereas I think the reality is if, if there was an AI that became uh, sentient to that, like, that that convergence point you're talking about, like if it became as capable of learning as a human brain, um, I mm. think it'd be more like Dr. Manhattan. Like, I think it would just be completely, it wouldn't give a shit. Um, I, I think it would like, cause it's, it's presumably like, this is all, you know, incredible hearsay and not based on anything obviously, but presumably it wouldn't, it's not gonna have a moral code. It's not going to have, it's 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 just gonna observe like it's not gonna care um like but i don't know it's it's such a hypothetical situation that it's hard to know um and i think that even like 
even these imaginary AIs that get so smart are still designed by people and like from the ground up designed by people. And so if you, if if a true concern is like that an AI decides that humanity is not worthy of life or whatever, like it's still a machine that's made by a person and like humans are dumb, but the humans that are making these things are smart enough to know how to make them the right way. Yeah. That's more, I guess there's, there's things, you know, as a software engineer, as a bad software engineer, I understand that there are, there are safety measures you can take in any, any form of, of writing code. Um, Mm. and I only know it in the most, you know, basic way, but I know that that exists. Like, you know, there are, there are hard and fast rules in a program because all a program is, is a series of logical steps. And so you can, you can isolate things in a way that cannot be accessed. Like even, even if the thing, even if your AI is smart enough to know, it still won't be able to access it. But this is all, yeah, this is really just vapor, vapor conversation or vapor talk. I feel like. Yeah. I guess the thing is, is that I, what I believe if an AI became sentient and smart, um, what I believe its purpose would be is the same that I kind of believe what humanity's ultimate purpose in the universe is, is to just curate life wherever you see fit. Um, and we're definitely good about destroying life, but it's more of like cutting weeds out of a garden. Like we, we just go around and we kind of balance the scales, uh, as far as like how we consume food and how we treat the wildlife and all that. And there's definitely like egregious, you can find egregious examples of humans doing awful shit. But I think ultimately, like, why do we have gardens and and all this shit? You know, it's like, because we are good at curating life, at at creating cultures uh, where things can exist and, and kind of pushing those things in good directions. And I think that robotics and AI would kind of see themselves as doing the same thing. And so I think that, for them, the weed of life would be humanity. Like that's just a, a concern that I have. And it's probably just from my more pessimistic, uh, sides kicking in. Right. Um, and from just an, an anxiety of being outdated and outmoded. Cause I think that if an, if an AI took a human form, made itself out of like in strong metals and stuff, like it would be stronger and better than us in every way. It could, it could, make a body that it, it that it knew it was better and stronger than us um i don't know it's just like terminator you know it's very basic uh example and it's probably the only reason why i think this way is because of movies and like i said movies and games that have guided my thought process in right. this way conditioning as it were um, but uh, in my more optimistic modes, though, I think I feel more the way that you feel where like we're not anywhere near, near what we're talking about here. Um, probably like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years of programming till we were at that point. Um, but even so, like, why wouldn't it just be ambivalent towards humanity and be like, we're better than you. Peace. We're out of here. I don't know if hundreds of thousands of years is fair. Like. If you think about it, like we've only been programming for 
you know, not even a century. Mm-hmm. And we're already teaching machines some pretty incredible shit. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's outside of our lifetime for sure. But it might not be that far outside of our lifetime. Yeah. Um, um, that's thing. And the thing is that I just think, like, I think I'm too fascinated to think of it as anything but amazing. Um, like, have you seen the machine learning shit, like the image processing uh, that they've done? Like, Google has a... Oh, there, there's an imaging processing thing they did called like deep dream, I think. Um, mm. and they, I think it comes from Google, but it might not, I might be wrong. There's it, basically, there's this, this process called TensorFlow, and it's, it is like an open source machine learning thing. So you can just, uh, you know, you can take it and it's, it's not easy to do, but you can tweak it in such a way that you can teach a machine to learn something specific that you're trying to teach it. And that's basically like, you know, you can say, I'm going to teach you what a cat looks like and you hand it thousands upon thousands of pictures of cats. And it slowly, it takes these and processes them. It takes these pictures and breaks them down and slowly figures out what makes a cat a cat. Um, and then you can say, draw me a cat and it'll give you like this weird thing. That's mostly a cat, but it just looks a little off. Um, it always looks surprisingly like a tripping on mushrooms. Um, yeah. Like I'm amazed at how much his pictures look like my mushroom visuals. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, one thing I, one piece I thought was really interesting. When I was reading about this is that, uh, they, they, they fed, uh, this like image processor, a bunch of pictures of, uh, of dumbbells of like weights. And then they said, draw us, you know, draw us a weight. And uh, they they drew a very good picture of dumbbells, but it had an, an arm and a bicep attached. And they realized that like almost every picture of dumbbells they handed it had an arm, like, and so that's it made sense. Eventually, it thought that was a necessary part of the puzzle. Um, mm. As that's saying, like machine learning is it's just so cool that I can't think anything else other than it's so cool. Yeah. Um, I saw one where this machine learned a bunch of a particular artist technique and they asked it to like recreate a painting in that artist style or create its own like original painting in that artist style. And it was able to do it. And that kind of scares me just as someone who like studied art and knows all the work that goes into making art. Um, And there was even talk of like uh, automating. But are you animation? Is is it? Can you possibly say that the piece of art that machine made didn't take a so much work to get to. Like it did, it did take a lot of work that, for sure. That's the thing. Like, and I know it's imitating this artist's style, but anybody can imitate an artist's style. And so I think yeah. there's, there's artistic value in that. And the fact that people got a, a machine to imitate an artist's style. Like I think I, I don't, I just think that there's, you know, you can sort of decide how to look at it. And instead of thinking like, oh, this machine's going to take an artist's job, it's like, no, this is just another job for an artist. Like, these people are scientists, and but I think what they did is kind of amazing. Yeah, it just, and I don't think, you can't replace the craft and the heart that goes into the human hand doing things. Um, it's just weird to think about. Like, it, I think it's more of, 
when this automation stuff starts kicking in, I think humanity is going to have a crisis, like an existential crisis of like, well, what do we do? Like, what is the point of doing this if a machine can just do it in seconds or learn these things that we, that takes us years to learn? A machine will learn it so much faster. Um, not to say there's not not going to be still value to do it, but I think it's going to be harder to get people motivated when there's that level of automation going on. Um, that's the thing that worries me. And I don't know if universal basic income is the way to combat that sort of thing where people do get like a livable wage every month baseline. Um, it just seems weird. Like where's all that money coming from? If we're that's, not working, that's the thing. Like we can't even help people live who truly can't afford it. We can't help people yeah. like people in our country won't let dying people have health care. Like, I don't think, I don't think a universal income is anywhere uh, around the corner. Yeah. Uh, we, we know and clearly plenty of most people in this country uh, or most people that vote in this country are not interested in helping out other people at all. Um, so I don't think that's, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a realistic, um, I think it, I'm not saying that I don't like it. I just think it's incredibly unrealistic considering how fucking hard it is to get, you know, sick people attention. Um, yeah. You know, there's on a small scale, no one, people are not willing to do that. Um, so I can't imagine on a, on a global scale or a national scale doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, like, I, I I think that, like, one thing that humanity will always have uh, over machine is, like, is the X factor, the unpredictability. Like, humanity as a whole often does not choose the thing that is better. It often, mm-hmm. like, it often chooses the thing it likes more, and sometimes it doesn't know why. Um and like we're at an age where you can listen to anything you ever want on your phone in your pocket at any time for free, essentially. Like obviously you've got to pay for your phone and your internet and stuff like that, but essentially it doesn't cost any money. Um, yeah, they're not a huge market, but they are ex- like records are still successful. Um, records are not the way everyone listens to music, but every album that comes out, most albums that come out also come out on vinyl and people buy them. And there's no logical reason that people would want to listen to music on a record, except that the people that do, they like it better. They, there's something warm about it. There's something, uh, organic about it that they even, they didn't like CDs and they don't like MP3s. There's something about the, the physicality of listening to a record that people really like that the people that do like it really like. And I think especially with art, that'll never go away. Um, yeah. You know, when you buy a piece of art, like especially in high art, it's not always about the piece. It's about who made it. Um, Mm -hmm. and art is something especially subjective that a robot being able to do it just as well as a person doesn't really mean much because, like if I buy a piece of art, I'm going to spend money on art, especially like a significant piece of money. Uh, what I'm buying is the work that a person put into it. Um, 
you know, yeah. that when you handed us the painting that you made for me and Tessa, the reason I started crying wasn't just that I liked it. It was that I immediately thought about all the work you put into it. And I mm-hmm. really liked it. Like it was, it was a combo thing. Like the art is such a, a human thing. Um, that even yeah. if something can duplicate it uh, perfectly or create it perfectly, it'll have its own, it'll have its own market, but it won't, I don't think human art could ever possibly go away because art is one of the few things I think that will always remain human um, because a good piece of art talks to a part of you that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's why I think it, I'm really sensitive about when I saw the robot made, make it, make a piece of art, uh, like that i'm really sensitive about that stuff because i i studied that and artist art is very near and dear to me and i love i love art um and i don't i really don't think it could ever be truly replaced by robots because art comes from a place that is immeasurable in humans and it, like it just comes from pure and raw emotion and that's why it's so unique for every person is because uh everyone is just perceiving things differently. Um, and it, it does come from an irrational place within people. Uh, and whether that be love or hatred or all these things that we feel that are not measurable by any scientific means. Exactly. Uh, so that does calm me down, but it still is like when I see it, it's one of the few things where I still have a very knee jerk reaction or or an irrational reaction where I just can't uh, it it upsets me quickly right uh, so I and I I, he, I definitely get that um, but I yeah, yeah. I think that a, a, a crucial part of being human is being a rational and logical even when you know you're being irrational and illogical um, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, you know we spend most of our energy suppressing our irrational and illogical urges and impulses and thoughts and sometimes they make it out anyway mm-hmm. um and i don't know if that's something that a a computer could ever like uh replicate and i think art is art is a way that people are able to funnel their irrational illogical thoughts and feelings into something productive um and I think it's, you know, it's a good, it's a representation art in general, I think is a representation of, or the art that I like. And that's saying there's so many different forms of it, but the art that I like in general is, is a representation of humanity's, uh, illogical nature. I mean, you know, just like comic books, like that's a weird thing. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're mostly about really weird shit and, but they're fucking fun to read. And most of the art that I've been connected to is about weird shit um, in some way. Like it came from a weird place and then it was sculpted into something that made sense, but it still puts you in touch with a weird part of you. Well, to be fair, reality is weird. So yeah, it is. But it's, it's like, why, why do I want to fly so much? Why do I have that urge all the time? Like I do, it's a part of me. And so then like that just taps into the, the urge to have, to be more and to have more than I could ever have. 
And then I like well, looking at people that have that. And I like watching movies about it. Like it's just, uh, yeah, I don't, I think art is safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in fear of running circles around this argument or discussion, I think I've said everything I wanted to say on the subject, unless you have something else to say about it. You don't want to get in an infinite loop about this, Keith? Robot joke. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I think I can be done with that. Um, anything else get going on you want to share? I don't think so. Um Oh, here's just a a fun little anecdote from Ark. Um, Mm. The other day we were playing and I tamed a Dodicarus and I named him Ponyboy. Were you playing with us then? I think so. I remember Ponyboy quite well. Um, I tamed him. It took me about an hour and 15 minutes to tame him. And I got on him and went and smashed up some rocks. And immediately a giant mean dinosaur came out and I jumped off Ponyboy to try to save him. I attacked the dinosaur and was killed. And then when I came back, I couldn't find Ponyboy anywhere. So I naturally assumed he was dead. Um, and I was flying home from Tessa's house in my Toronto down the other day, and I found Pony Boy like miles away from my house, curled up, <laughs> curled up in a ball, alive, uh, surrounded by fucking mean predators. And so yeah. I like landed in the woods and snuck down and rescued him. And now Pony Boy is alive and well, and he has harvested me so much stone. I got so many nice stone walls around my house now. Oh, it's the best. <sighs> That's a pretty epic story. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, I know I've mentioned as much. That's what I love about Arc is that they've made a really, really good engine to produce some amazing experiences. Um, one of my favorite things that's happened is, uh, the, like, the day prior to that, um, Tessa, Tessa's, like, built this house up north, and she was saying that she there was this alpha raptor, and alphas are, like, they're these, like, glowing red versions of the dinosaurs, and they're super hard to kill. Um, but raptors in general are pretty easy to kill. So an alpha raptor is like within reason that you could probably kill it, but it's not something you want to mess with. Um, and this alpha raptor wouldn't leave her area. And so she asked me, uh, I, I had to came to Toronto and I was going to come fly to her house anyway. And she asked if I would come, uh, try to kill this alpha raptor and she'd give me some, some resources if I did. And so I flew up there and Tim, who was like around doing some shit, um, he died and he spawned, he respawned up north and made his way down. And uh, I tried forever on my Tronodon to like trick this raptor into fighting a brontosaurus, but it wouldn't do it. And then I was attacking it with my Tronodon and it wouldn't, uh, it, it, I wasn't hurting it enough because I'd have to like swoop in, attack it, and fly out before it killed my bird. Um, and then all of a sudden, Tessa's like getting attacked by the raptor. And so I fly in to try to save her and. I fuck up and my bird runs out of stamina and we fall on the ground and the raptor kills my Tronodon, which is just the most heartbreaking thing. Cause you spent a long, I spent a long time taming that bird. Her name was Mary and she was beautiful. Um, and, uh, then the raptor kills me and I'm like pissed. And so I, I like respawn in that area and I find her house and then Tim's there and the three of us spent legitimately, I believe it was at least three hours, um, trying to kill this alpha raptor and we all died over and over and over again but the respawn area was close enough that we'd make it back get our shit back 
and just keep attacking it. And we did so much, like we built giant spike walls that it would run into and get hurt, but then it would just destroy them. And we like, we tried all this different shit and there were these like big bird monsters that were killing us too. Like, but it was, it was like, we spent three hours doing nothing, like just killing a single dinosaur, but it was just really fun. Um, we had this giant rock that we called safety rock cause the Raptor couldn't get on it. And it felt like we were in tremors cause we just would stand on this rock trying to come up with a plan. <laughs> Uh, while this raptor ran around on the ground. Um, and we just like, we just referred to safety rock. I built a bed by safety rock and stuff um, so that I could respawn there easier. We built a fire by safety rock. And then at one point, Tim is on safety rock and the raptor fucking gets on top of it. And he's just like, it's on safety rock. It's on like safety rock has been <laughs> breached. And we, we all just started screaming because our one safe place is no longer safe. Um, and at one point it killed me and then turned and just ate my bed. Like it just was fucking spiteful. It just ate my bed to f- so that I couldn't have it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just was like. And it, the bed is how you respawn wherever you want to. The bed is how you control your respawn. Yeah. If you don't have a bed, you have to respawn in a general area. Um, but Tess's spot was close enough to that general area that we were able to respawn randomly and get back pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it just was super fun. Like. We were not doing anything exciting. We were just trying to kill a single dinosaur, but it was just like, it, it felt like we were playing capture the flag in real life. Like we were just, the three of us were just trying to accomplish this goal and we were screaming the whole time and it kept going wrong. And then we finally killed it. Like I think Tim got it. Uh, I built this like stone house with windows with a bunch of spikes around it. And the goal was to try to get it to run through the spikes and then we'd hide in the house and stab it through the windows. But the house was too small. And so I like, I, I ran, I ran to hide from it in there before we were even going through the plan and it just, it just killed me through the walls, but then it got like hung up on a wall and Tim was able to like, to finally kill it. Um, but it just was like, it just was a blast. And that's the thing is that game sort of, you don't know. It's not like, uh, a game with like a narrative where I can say, Oh, have you played, you know, this game? Have you played metal gear? Like, what did you think of these parts? it's it doesn't have that it's it's like it's just a perfect recipe to create some really amazing moments um but you have to just play it and that's the thing like you have to set your own goals and play it and then those moments will just happen like when we swam past that shark stuff like that like but bigger moments more exciting moments more heartbreaking moments like they sort of show themselves and that's what keeps you coming back to the game and it's hard because you don't necessarily know when one's going to happen and you don't know if one's going to happen anytime soon but when they do happen, it's like, holy shit, this was fucking good. Like this was worth the time spent. Well, I think the name of the episode now is going to be, we built this city on safety rock. Oh, it should be safety rock. Um, okay. I think that could be the show for this week. I'm down with that. I'm pretty tired. Um, Check us out, the usual places, Twitter, Facebook, uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Podbean. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends about it. Make them watch it. Listen to it. I mean, don't watch it. It'd probably be boring if you watched it. Make them listen to it. Force feed it in their ears. Oh, I do want to say something really fast. Um, I forgot. I wanted to mention this earlier. Uh, I told, I texted you this the other day, but I got super hot for VR. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the best VR game I've ever played. I looked at a trailer for it, and it does look like the best VR game ever made. I've I've never felt so badass in VR. Um, 
slow motion shooting someone and catching their gun out of the air and then shooting their friend with it is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I saw watching the trailer for it. I was like, I'm going to pay another $24 for this fucking game. Yeah. Even though I think it should just be, you should just get the VR version for buying the other one. Well, here's the deal. The VR version is a completely different game. Yeah. Um, it looks like it. It's not, they didn't just add VR onto the game they already made. They, they made a VR game with their engine. So that might help the pill go down a little bit easier. Yeah. It looked like a different game for sure. Cause I don't, it looks like time moves as quick as you move. So if you start moving slower, am I right? Wait, wait say again. Um, can you hear me? Oh yeah. You cut out for just a second. Yeah. Uh, it looked like, Time moves as quick or as slow as you move in the VR version. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that's a little different from the console. Or not the console, but the normal release. Oh, really? I thought that was the same hook in the regular game. I thought if you just moved it all, it would uh, time would move. Yeah, but it's like if you move a little, time only moves a little, right? Yeah, I guess. No, I think like... If you're Maybe moving, if, if you're like walking around, because there's no way to control walk speed that it moves at a normal speed. But if oh, you gotcha. like turn your head and stuff, if you, I guess if you like move the mouse, it'll move s- slower. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I assume I'm just going to take your word. It's cool. Oh, it's we'll so probably cool. get it. A VR game I got that I haven't played yet is called Cat Lateral Damage. And I just can't wait to knock things over with my little cat paws. Yeah, I I'm excited to hear about that one. Um Okay. Uh I don't know how to end this one. Well Um have we discussed how we feel yet? I think we talked a lot about how we feel. Did we? Um I'm feeling Satisfied? Did you shit your pants, Keith? The whole time we were talking. That's commitment. Sh- shit city. That is wicked commitment. We were recording, so I couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. At your, and you're at your girlfriend's place. Yeah, I, she's not gonna be happy. No, no she happy. is not. It's a, it's a mess, and it, it, I've put. You go nose blind surprisingly quickly to it when it's everywhere. Well, yeah. Like it's, uh, it's just Stockholm syndrome, but with your ass and shit. I mean, there's a little bit of shit I want to throw up, but when it's caked on the walls, like it is now, Um, it looks like a murder scene from Dexter. I read a story about, uh, this guy who he posted this on Reddit today and he's Mm -hmm. a VR enthusiast. He has an HTC Vive and he brought his computer and his Vive over to his mom's house to uh get to because he wanted his two younger brothers to play um they'd mm-hmm. heard about vr they'd never played it and he wanted them to play so he sets that all up and starts playing like to get everything ready and there's some issue with the tracking and it's like off in just the weirdest way and it's making him feel really terrible and so he tried to like fight through it and he ended up barfing all over his mom's carpet uh <laughs> And this is the guy who's trying to sell his family on VR. He's like, no, it's so much fun. And then he puts on the headset and just vomits everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought that was amazing. Apparently there were like some giant like 
plate glass mirrors in his mom's living room and that's what was fucking oh. with the tracking um but yeah i just think i because it's like you hear about people getting kind of sick or something like that ever, like mm-hmm. in rare situations but i love the yep. idea that this is the guy demoing it like he is like it'd be like you or me taking it somewhere and be like oh i can't wait for you to play vr let me just get it set up real quick <laughs> here you go it's so much fun uh that's awesome yeah don't don't put mirrors in your vr room yeah kids. apparently that's the lesson here all right so anyway I've, I've i've interrupted the sign off twice now um i feel satisfied not satisfied all my shit's either in my ass or or on its way down the the sewers